0: Our scripture reading this morning is over on page four, as well as an outline, of I'm excuse me, page three, as well as an outline of our, our message this morning. We're picking up in our study of Ephesians right where we left off the last few weeks. We've been studying about how it is that the gospel is to grip our homes, our households, and, and our relationships within, uh, within the home. Last two weeks we talked about husbands and wives. And Paul then transitions as chapter six begins to uh, to fathers, children, and we'll see mothers are are very much a part of this as well. So let's let's first read chapter six, verses one to four, and then we'll pray for God's blessing. Uh, God's very word, Ephesians six, beginning in verse one: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now let's pray. Our our Heavenly Father, we, we pray for your grace to be poured out upon your children. Even using your word that you would strengthen us to know your love better. Because you're using your word and your spirit was at work. we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for the past couple weeks, we've been talking about how believers are storytellers. How by virtue of our connection with the Lord Jesus, that's what it means to be a Christian, to be in Christ. Uh, by virtue of that, that, that union with Jesus and connection to him, our lives are connected to his story. And so by very nature of that, uh, our lives and our actions and relationships uh, are to reflect uh, the greatness and the glory and the grace of his bigger story. The story of God's salvation planned from before the foundation of the world and that Jesus uh, purchased for us and that he's going to bring to completion. That greater story, our very lives are to reflect it, uh, shine it forth. And that is true in our homes. In the last two weeks, we talked about how that works with husbands and wives telling that story of of Christ and his bride. Uh, But this week, we're going to see that 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 same Jesus story uh, is also a parenting story. Same story, different facet now of it. Uh, We get to tell in our homes as parents and children uh, the story, the greater story of a father and his Love and the Son and His work. Again, it's a story that starts before the foundation of the world, uh, as, as uh, the Father sets His love upon His people, determines that He's going to rescue, in love, uh, adopt a great multitude uh, to be His very own. Uh, but these, these children that he, that he plans to have as a part of His great family, uh, these children, uh, by nature and by practice don't act like children of God. Instead, they act like children of darkness, uh, rebelling, and, and, well, Ephesians has already called them children of wrath. That's us, apart from God's rescue. Children of wrath, under God's wrath. But God, in his love and his plan, determines that he's going to save even children of darkness and bring them into his family. So the father sends the Son. Uh, The son, the eternal son, uh, the one who uh, takes on human flesh and unlike the rest is spotless. What does the father declare? This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. There's the eternal son. Well pleased, says the father. But that eternal son goes and dies. Bears the darkness, bears the wrath that, that we deserve so that in our place, taking that wrath... We can be forgiven, we can be transformed, Uh, the the sun rises up and pours out the spirit, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, in order to change our dark hearts and adopt us into his family, and and in order to, to nurture us so that we're transformed into children of light more and more, not only in name, but in actuality. A parenting story, that's the good news of the gospel, that's the good news of history, that's what God is doing. Uh, down through the world, what he's doing in us. It's our hope. It's the in Christ story. And, and as parents and children in our homes, uh, that's the story we are to tell. Uh, it, it, it's our story because we're connected to it. Uh, in Christ, uh, we are those who are connected to Jesus' story. So it's never just parent by themselves or child by themselves. Uh, it's always in the Lord, right? Did you, did you see that there? Uh, as, as Paul talks to children, he doesn't just say, obey your parents. He says, obey your parents in the Lord. And then as he's talking to, uh, to fathers, he talks about bringing them up, not just in discipline and instruction, but discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's the little tie back to what he's been saying all along, uh, which is that it, all of the details of the living of our lives are connected to this bigger story. And if we go back to Ephesians, it's on every page chapter one he starts off by talking about this father whose plan it is in love to adopt uh, we talked in, he talked in chapter two about uh, the great desire that we would be through the work of the son we would be no longer strangers but part of the household of god chapter five that would be we would be uh, children of light beloved children so he's already set us up to then get to this language of father children ah oh, we're connected to the greater story that's the whole point. That's what, we're, that's what we're meditating on. That's what the story that we're telling in the practical details of everyday life. Uh, it's also helpful to, to then realize that this is what, what guides us, even if you're here and, and you don't have young children in your home, uh, or, or you don't have young children at all, never have, and are not a parent. It, it, this passage is for you, too. Sometimes we can, we can misuse sermons like this in the church, well-intentioned often, uh, but to, to give this impression when we talk about family sermons, uh, that the, the great grand prize of the Christian life is marriage and kids. There's the great grand prize, and some get it, and then some don't. And if you're happy to be one who doesn't, then you're kind of like less than, and this really isn't for you, you can ignore it. That's, that's not a biblical view of the world. Uh, The the grand prize is not some Christian version of the American dream. Picket fence, two and a half kids, no. Uh, The grand prize, the the ultimate of the the Christian life is Jesus. It's his story. And, And we get to tell that in a variety of different ways as Christians. Some of those ways are harder than others, uh, but, in, but, in, but in every every Christian is called to, to reflect and tell and find ultimate hope in this greater story. So if you're not here and you're not parenting young kids, uh, then this is still for you. Why? Because you read about your father's love for you. And, and, and the great thing he has done in, in calling you into his family as a child of God. And you get to reflect that in your daily life as well. So even as we're instructed in some practical things... We're connected to the bigger story. This is good news for all of us. But let's let's begin where Paul begins, which is addressing children. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to see at every point how this this life in the home is all about in the Lord, right? So it's children obey in the Lord. Or verse one: children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So children. If Read the context, verse 4. Clearly he's talking about young children. Those who are still in the home and being raised up, being brought up. Um, it, it's a very interesting question to talk about how it is that adult children are to honor uh, their parents uh, as, as adults. Uh, that's a great question. It's not what he's referring to here. It's another sermon. Um, here he's clearly talking about kids. Um, so, so kids, this is for you. And actually, that very fact in and of itself should be incredibly encouraging to you kids. Uh, That God here, through the Holy Spirit, is talking to you. Remember about Paul's letters. Uh, He he intends for them to be read publicly. He intends for them as the church is gathered together in worship, along with the other scriptures, that his his letters are going to be read as the word of God. And so here it is, God's people gathered together. And Paul says children right he his delight and expectation is that that kids are right there among the people of god that they have a place right among the people of god kids that should be encouraging to you right you know maybe sometimes you feel like a stranger all these adults around here in church but this is this is your home you have a place here and god acknowledges it he rejoices in it and into into speaking right there this is why we, we love having kids in our service and we don't mind if there's a little extra uh, movement and squeaking and no problem at all. Uh, our, our kids have a home here uh, and here God God acknowledges it. So uh, you have a place, but kids here's the command that God gives, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, so in the Lord, let's talk about in the Lord obedience. So there's that, that connection uh, to in the Lord Jesus. In the Lord Jesus, which the first and foremost pushes us to remind ourselves and remind you kids, as well as the adults, reminding themselves that the most important thing is you knowing Christ, Uh, you trusting uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, That is that is the most foundational thing uh, to know that you, like the rest of us, we're we're sinners, Uh, we're we're apart from God's apart from rescue, separated from Him, and we we need a rescue, forgiveness, and new life. The adults do, and you kids do. But here's the good news uh, of, of the Lord Jesus. It's that God sent a savior, a rescuer. Uh, and, and the foundation of all of this is you trusting in the Lord Jesus. You realizing that your safety here and for eternity is not because you obeyed enough. It's not because you are a good enough kid. That's, that's not it. Because we obey in the Lord. So the foundation is knowing Jesus, trusting Jesus and putting your trust in him. Just, just very simply, uh, kids, you cry out to God, Lord, have, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me because of what Jesus did. Uh, there's the foundation, our trust in, uh, in the work of Jesus. And, and then it's there that we're ready to talk about what it means to obey in the Lord. Uh, that, that in the Lord, connected because of Jesus, we're, we're called to live a new life. And we're strengthened by Jesus to live a new life and that and that a key part of that uh, as young kids is how we interact with our with our parents uh obey our our parents well because they are put in a position of authority by God and so one of the best ways we honor God and show that new life of devotion to God is is by by honoring and obeying the people that God put in authority over us and, and and there's a great way you can you can show honor and love for the Lord is by cheerfully obeying your parents, uh, even if it's hard, even though your parents aren't perfect. Uh, always coming back to always coming back to Jesus uh, in the Lord. Um, kids, did you did you catch that scripture reading that Mr. Bacon was reading earlier about the about when Jesus was a boy? Right. Uh, Jesus is a boy. He goes to the temple with his his parents, and he stays behind. Um, Did did you notice, first of all, if you're really paying attention, you know there's a little play on the word father there. right? Mary comes, verse 48, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And there Jesus responds, Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Of course, he's referring to his his more ultimate relationship with his Father in Heaven, that that eternal, unique relationship of of Father and Son, and this more ultimate relationship of Father. And apparently, Mary and Joseph should have known that, should have made that connection. Um, But even though there's that more ultimate relationship that Jesus has with, uh, the Son has with the Father, Jesus has with his Heavenly Father, doesn't mean that his earthly parents are irrelevant. In fact, the very next thing we read is, verse 51, Jesus went down with them and was submissive to them. Jesus obeys his earthly parents. Even though they, it's just been demonstrated that they're, they're not as wise and understanding as he is. At least on, on this particular point. That's just been demonstrated. But that doesn't mean he, he, doesn't, he doesn't submit to them uh, or, or obey them. In fact, no, he does. Uh, not because it's completely separate from his relationship with his father. In fact, it's because it's connected. Here he is. He's, he's reflecting and, and showing that unique relationship of father and son, father in heaven. And it, and it comes out in how he responds to his earthly, imperfect parents. It's a way he, he shows that honor. And that's good news for you, uh, kids. Uh, it means that you're, you're part of that story. It means as you obey your parents, you're, you're acting out the Jesus story. Uh, it means that you can have Jesus' strength to obey, even though your parents aren't perfect, uh, even though that sometimes they they don't have perfect wisdom. Uh, they have a lot of wisdom. I know most of them, uh, but but they're not going to be perfect. That's not that's not why you obey them. It's because, like Jesus, you're you're looking to the ultimate Father in heaven uh, as your trust, as your hope, and as your joy, and as your forgiveness when you when you fail in your strength. So, uh, obey in the Lord. Uh, Paul then gives what we could call in the Lord motivation. Uh, he gives some reasons why th- this is a good thing. and We can be motivated uh, to, to obey our parents. And so he says, first of all, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For this is right. It's, it's fitting. It's, it's the way the Lord intended it to be. Uh, it, you're acting out the way God created you to, to be. And we've seen this again and again with, with the gospel, that what the transforming power of the gospel does is it restores our humanity. It, it gives us strength to more and more be the person we were created to be, the best version of ourselves. And that's true with, with kids. This is, kids, as you obey your parents, what you're, you're saying is, yeah, wow, well, sh- trusting in the Lord with his strength, I, I get to act out the, the, most, the best version of myself, who I was created uh, to be. Uh, in, in the Lord. It's right. He goes on then, verse 2, to speak about the promise. So he quotes from the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. Then he says, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. He gives the, the promise both from the Deuteronomy 5 version of the Ten Commandments and the Exodus 20 version of the, of the commandments. So here's the command, but there's also this promise of a blessing. And, and that's a good reminder of what's true of really all of God's commandments, that walking in God's ways is the way of blessing. It, it doesn't mean it's some kind of guarantee of prosperity in old age, as we'll mention in a minute. Uh, if you just obey enough, then, then everything's perfect. Uh, but it is this reminder that this is the way of blessing. Uh, you can even just see it on a, on a very simple, practical level. Uh, that the, the child that consistently obeys mom's voice to stop and not run into the busy street is going to live longer, and then and then you extend that. Generally speaking, uh, God gives parents uh, wisdom and understanding, so physical safety and also spiritual and emotional safety. It, it, it ends up being the way of blessing. God blesses it. The way life was intended. Uh, to work, but even here, it's in the Lord motivation. So it's not the it's not the ultimate because we can go to Jesus and say, "Well, look at him. He obeyed his church, his parents perfectly, but his life was a life full of suffering and it was short. So that doesn't that it may go well and live long. Well, he, he it doesn't seem to go very well and he doesn't seem to live very long. Well, yeah, if you just look at it narrowly in a very earthly sense." In the bigger sense, we can see, yeah, this is perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. Because, yes, it's a life of suffering here on earth, but he's raised up. Raised up in glory. He's given authority over the entire land. Right? All authority in heaven and on earth rules as the glorious king. And he will be uh, on that throne for all eternity. So, in real sense, Jesus is the ultimate. It goes well with him. And he lives long, even for all eternity. Uh, And it's that something bigger that's always our hope. Uh, wherever you fall, whether a young child in the home or you're just a, a child of God following uh, your father, yes, following his commands often lead to earthly blessing. It's the way life was meant to work. Uh, but, but sometimes you still end up with an earthly life that's suffering and short. But there's something bigger, right? We, it's the motivation in the Lord. And we're looking to Jesus and that story of Jesus and that lasting treasure that comes through what he did and how he obeyed and are clinging to him, and we're tied into that story, even as we trust him, and that trust flows out in obeying our parents. So children, uh, kids, obey your parents in the Lord with encouragement, looking to Jesus, uh, and look for, look for God to, to bless it. Then God uh, turns to address fathers, uh, what we could call, say, fathers nurture in the Lord. Uh, verse 4. Might be helpful to ask the question, why does he say fathers? Why not fathers and mothers, or use the word for parents? Um, well, it's, it's impossible to know for sure what the Holy Spirit had in mind. Had in mind but we can say a few things. Uh, we know we know for sure that in the Roman world, it was definitely the father who had the most influence and authority within the home. So it, it makes sense in that sense in that cultural context. Even with in a non-cultural uh, context, in terms of God's uh, world. Uh, there is a sense in which the, the husband has a leadership role in the home, and therefore he's more accountable. The accountability falls ultimately with, with him. What is Paul just said a few verses earlier, uh, but it's the husband that's the head. And that means, that, what do we say? Chief leader, chief servant, chief under-accountability. Uh, and so it makes sense for, for Paul to address fathers. We certainly shouldn't think that Paul is belittling the role of mothers, uh, he's just a few verses earlier talked about how the, the commandments themselves address mothers, right? It's not just children obey your dad, parents, mother and father, right up there, side by side. He quotes the Ten Commandments, right up there, side by side. Uh, honor your father and your mother. So, And even you look at Paul's writings elsewhere. You could go to his letter to Timothy, where he goes out of his way to praise the powerful spiritual influence that Timothy's mother had upon his life. Or you could go to 1 Thessalonians, where Paul talks about his own ministry to the Thessalonians uh, and the care he has, and and describes it as that of a mother caring for his children. So Paul has this very, God has this very rich, honoring notion of how mothers fit in. Why use the word fathers and not parents? Well, perhaps for some of these reasons, uh, but we're also, I think, encouraged to think of a gospel reason. Because we've seen all along, again and again, uh, as Paul gets to this second half, he's tying it back to things he's already said. This is, this is still connected to the gospel. And we start looking with gospel eyes as if we've read the whole letter in one sitting. And, and there's some other important things that come to mind. Right? That, that parenting is in the Lord too. Uh, that it, That's tied into a bigger story. So before we ever hear the word father in verse 4 of chapter 6, We've heard the word father repeatedly in Ephesians, but it was always a reference to the heavenly father and his love, his adopting love, his rescuing, his building, his household. He's used the word word children before, but it has to do always up until this point with him gathering his beloved, adopted, saved children. And so uh, I think Paul, again, uh, seems to tie us back. Think about the bigger story. And actually, you keep going into the details. Uh, he keeps going with that connection to the gospel story. So he tells us uh, what to do and what not to do. Uh, what to do, what not to do. And of course, we should make application, I think, both fathers and mothers if you're present here. Uh, and, and we all can learn about how our Father cares for us, our Heavenly Father. So first, what not to do. He says, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. He says something very similar in Colossians. There he says, "'Fathers, do not provoke your children, "'lest they become discouraged.'" It's interesting, if you go to the Colossians passage, this is the only thing he says to parents. That's it. Fathers, don't provoke, lest they be discouraged, period, stop, moves on. As if this was the most important thing that parents need to get their minds wrapped around. Fathers need to get their minds wrapped around. So apparently this is important, Apparently, this is one that we're tempted to struggle with. Uh, Apparently, this is a temptation to provoke, to exasperate, uh, so that our children become angry or discouraged. Uh, Apparently, this is one we we take to heart. And again, because it's it's in the Lord parenting and, and the gospel is our foundation, we don't have to be frightened by the fact that we haven't done it perfectly and we still have something to learn. Right, because that's not that's not what it's not our perfection that gives the perfect result or guarantees the outcome. So we can learn with freedom and peace. And here we're learning: are there ways I might have provoked or continue to provoke or exasperate my children? Demands that are unreasonable, playing favorites or or harsh words. Or indifference, or shaming, or humiliating, or or nitpicking. You know, it's actually okay to ask your kids about this? Son, daughter, are, are there ways that I tend to provoke you or exasperate you? Right, we can, we can, there's a way to do that. Uh, without somehow giving up authority or, you know, there's a way to to do that. Especially if you're talking kids in the tween, teen age, where that's a a more fruitful conversation. Um, Especially if we're really serious about doing in the Lord gospel parenting. Because if we're all about shining forth this greater story, we're looking for opportunities as parents to demonstrate that we need Jesus as much as our kids do. And we want them to look not to how great Dad is, but how great the Heavenly Father is. So if there's an opportunity where I might be able to to confess my sin and repent of it, and that before my kids, and show them that Jesus is really sufficient for this, well, that's a good thing to go after. So maybe it is a question worth asking. Are there ways I tend to exasperate, provoke? Uh, Or maybe it's because we see a difficult reaction in our kids, it's good to ask that question. Is there some way... I might have provoked this. Not that our kids are not responsible. Uh, they are. But we're called to be responsible for what we give to the equation. Is there ways I, I've made this more difficult? Uh, and again, we can do that in freedom because our hope is in the Lord, as well as we're trying to encourage them uh, in the Lord. And all of it, of course, is, is based on and guided by how our Heavenly Father treats us. And so this becomes a great opportunity for us to, to see afresh, oh, that's right. This is, how, this is how God the Father treats me, uh, that, that, that he works all things. So he's not, he's not provoking, uh, he's not exasperating his children, he doesn't, he's not harsh, he doesn't place unreasonable demands. Like, this is how God the Father treats me. Isn't that glorious? Lord, help me to tell that story. Um, and forgive me when I do. So that's what not to do. What to do in the Lord, uh, Paul says... But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, bring them up. Here's one of the ways that Paul's pointing back to this, this greater story. So the word there, bring them up, uh, is actually a word Paul has just used a few verses before. It's in the passage we talked about last time where he's talking about husbands and wives and how, uh, how a husband is to, is to care for his wife as he cares for his own body. And then he immediately says, just as Christ does the church. So he he, he uses the same word. So he says, this is 529, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. That word nourish, the care that somebody has for their own body, ah, that's the care that Christ has for for his church. Paul uses that same word to say, bring them up. It's the same word Bring them up or as one uh, one translator puts it translator puts it rear them tenderly bring them up nourish them care for them as as, as you automatically care for your own body with that care and tenderness as you' as more even more importantly as God cares for his people uh, tender nurture and then the specifics of what this how this flows out a tender nurture, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the first word there, discipline, has the idea of training. Uh, that just like just like God trains us, disciples us. So we are to uh, to have that training role with our with our kids. And sometimes that is corrective discipline. They're they're going the wrong way, and we're we're trying to turn around, steer them around, train them in in how to turn from sin. Uh, but even there. Right? It's, the idea of training reminds us that, oh, this can't be harsh. This can't be about anger. This can't be about punishment. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. No, 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 no. Never. No. Because it's, it's, it's training and it's reflecting how God treats us with this, this tender care. Christ loves his church. Um, and of course, training also has a positive uh, uh, side to it uh, helping, helping us, uh, helping our kids learn how to deal with temptation and handle new situations, and seek out what's good in a new environment or an old environment, and know what's true, uh, that, that positive training and encouragement uh, that parents are called to do, just like God does with us, tenderly nurturing and caring for us and maturing uh, his people. Discipline and instruction. So here the idea is that there is a, a teaching role for parents, that the, the parents are called to be those who are in charge of passing along the faith to their, to their kids. And, and fathers uh, take the lead uh, in this. Um, it, it doesn't mean that there's no role for pastors or Sunday school teachers. God provides those gifts within the body. In some ways, uh, a dad would be somewhat foolish not to take advantage of those uh, opportunities, those gifts within the body. where We parent within the covenant community. Uh, so those are good. But, um, but, but, but first and foremost, God calls parents to teach the faith to their kids. The, the Deuteronomy passage we read this morning was helpful. Uh, what, did, what did God say in Deuteronomy? that the, the word of the Lord is to be on our hearts uh, so that you can teach them diligently to your kids. The word of the Lord is on our hearts so we're learning and, and growing in the Lord, in his word and his truth. And part of that is so that we can, we can pass it along. Uh, and, and looking for opportunities and different ways to, to do that. Uh, taking advantage of resources even within the church. Oh, look, there's a, there's a Sunday school, there's a morning worship, there's a uh, Bible study. We're going to take advantage of those resources for our kids. Uh, finding ways to do this in the home, uh, trying to, to find opportunities to communicate God's word and learn God's word together. Uh, and, and every family struggles. If you've tried to, to do devotions as a family, tried to have a time of reading the Bible. This is tough with kids. It's hard. Every parent struggles with this. If they tell you they don't, they're probably lying. Uh, it's hard. But don't, don't give up on it. Uh, again, we're, we're in the Lord, so this is, this is God's grace. We can, we can have his strength to try again without guilt. My encouragement would be, don't be afraid to start small. Just real, simple, small. Even if it's, even if it's two minutes reading two verses... That, that's great. start there uh, and, and maybe maybe you you have kids that uh, that it's hard to get everybody calm so how can I do this in a way that everybody's you know just try to take advantage? Here's one I tried uh, recently is I'm gonna get out that devotional book while they're still eating right so so captive audience it's not like they're tempted to scatter. Okay, I can microwave my food and heat it up again later. Uh, So I'm going to, while there's still captive audience, I'm going to start getting out God's word. You know, not a law, but we're willing to try things just to, how can we communicate God's, God's word? Formal occasions, Deuteronomy also encourages just informal instruction, right? When you sit and when you walk, right, just in the midst of daily life, uh, you're, you're more and more thinking about God's place in the world and you're talking about it. His ways and his work. You're at the playground. Wow, uh, Lord, or uh, kids, look, look, at, look at these wonderful trees that God made. He must be powerful. Uh, he, must be, he must love beauty. Look at how beautiful it is. Or, or you're talking about how it's a, been a hard day. You can talk about how the Lord strengthens us in, in tough times. Talk about the road to the cross. And, or, or it's a great day wow, these are things we can thank God about, uh, thank God for. Uh, Again, just looking for opportunities to to connect, rearing them tenderly in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not about survival, just getting through. Uh, Though some days will feel like that, and that makes sense, it's tough. Uh, But but that's not the ultimate goal, survive. It's not just about having well-behaved kids, uh, or or even successful career kids. That's not the point. The point is to tell this greater story. Uh, to, to point to this love of a father for his children. Uh, so that, that we and our kids can cling to the same Jesus and the same story. And that's why we we can all be encouraged. Regardless of of what little ones might or might not be in our homes right now. Uh, we can all be encouraged by our ultimate hope which is which is not in how perfectly we do it or whether we get the right formula this week but our ultimate hope and joy and salvation is an eternal father who who sets his love upon upon even even sinful children like us he adopts them and and glorifies his his son so that we more and more look like him there's there's our hope that's what god is doing in the world that's what god is doing in your home uh, and it's going to look a little different at different times but there's, there's our hope. There's our encouragement. That's what we focus on. There's where we find our forgiveness and our strength uh, and our ultimate joy. So let's pray to our Father. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for your fatherly love. We thank you for the Son's perfection uh, and the, the Spirit's uh, adopting work even, even in our lives. We pray, Lord, that it might be our, our joy and our hope Uh, Even as we entrust our our kids to you, even as we uh, entrust one another to you, uh, Lord, you're good. And uh, Lord, you you demonstrate that in our lives. So shine that forth in us, through us, uh, and Lord, may, may you receive the glory, we pray in Jesus' name.